Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the Steam and Wise Guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we're set to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football card. And, Victor, what a weekend it is on tap and store on both sides in college football. Playoff polls, as you know, were released on Tuesday night. And, as always, a bit of controversy lying within the polls. Victor, your take on what they released of the college football polls for this week. That's true, Mark. First off, a nice call on the Ohio State Buckeyes. You used them as your revenge game of the year in college football. And uh, that big outright win against Michigan State, that was one of the uh, bigger upset wins on Saturday. I would also submit that, of course, uh, Texas A&M beating Auburn as well. Uh, one of the biggest upset wins of the season. And both of those teams, of course, slid down in the playoff rankings I was kind of interested to see how far the Arizona States, the Baylors, and the Ohio States would rise after their big wins on Saturday. And all three of them did rise into the top eight. Ohio State went from number 14 to number eight. Baylor improved from number 12 to number seven. And Arizona State improved from number nine to number six. But of course, you know, we got to talk about the top four teams. After all, it is a four team playoff. Mississippi State currently number one at 9-0. and But Florida State, the other undefeated team, they actually slipped a notch, falling to number three, and Oregon eclipsed them a little bit. And I think it's kind of re refreshing myself, Mark, to see that the committee is not so committed to the loss column that would like never put a team with one loss ahead of a team with zero losses. The, 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 the takeaway I get from Florida State falling to number three is the fact that Quality wins matter to the committee. Uh, Florida State, uh, yeah, they haven't lost a game, but they only have two what we call quality wins against the committee's uh, current top 25. Uh, those wins being number 18, Notre Dame, and number 19 at Clemson. Both were narrow escapes. Both were at home. And Oregon, on the other hand, they've beaten number 11, UCLA, number 12, Michigan State, and number 23, Utah, all by double digits. Two out of those three were on the road. And the Ducks, uh, they have the better wins, and they've looked better than the Seminoles over the last month. So I'm not surprised that they kind of leapfrog the Seminoles a little bit. I'm not surprised either, Victor, uh, you know, given the state of where these college football teams are today. And as you say, not so much on their laurels and their reputation and the fact that Florida State is the undefeated defending national champion. But that alone, I don't think, justifies them rising or maintaining a spot in the polls. And the points you brought out were all excellent. It's all largely attributed to Florida State's lack of a strength of schedule, if you will. Those two wins, you said, against Notre Dame and Clemson, both narrow escapes. Clemson, they had to go to overtime to beat Clemson at home. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of uh, uh, justification, if you will, into what Florida State has played. And granted, a lot of that has to do with the neighborhood in which they reside in the ACC conference. So there's not as much quality opposition there that way as uh, you'll find perhaps with Mississippi State and Oregon taking on teams that are more likely to be found inside the top 25 poll. But, you know, the bottom line here is what Nick Saban said 
two weeks ago when the first polls come out. It doesn't matter a lick. All that matters is where these teams are when the final four polls are revealed, and all they need to do is keep themselves in the position. And as I say that, I also make note that Alabama is number five on the outside looking in, and you just have to wonder whether or not Nick Saban might want to use that as some incentive this week when they go up against top-ranked Mississippi State in what would be one heck of a football game. And while we would love to preview that football game on our college football game of the week this week, it's beginning to be like the Southeast Conference radio podcast for us every week because of <laughs> the quality of teams in the SEC. So we switch gears a little bit. We're going to feature a bigger, not a bigger game, but a big game inside the Big Ten Conference instead. Uh, but, you know, we'll be talking more and more about these polls and uh, going up, going down, and uh, the arguments that can be made for and against all these football teams. And, you know, Victor, as we get nearer the end of the football season here, Maybe it's time to start looking at some accolades and those accolades being the great job that some of these coaches have done thus far this football season. And I'm going to run this by you, and I've got my thoughts. If you were to vote your cast, your vote for the college football coach of the year within each of the Power Five conferences, who would win your votes this year? Well, in uh, alphabetical order, I would start in the ACC, and I would submit to you, what about David Cutcliffe from Duke? You know, the Blue Devils, yes, they won their uh, coastal division last year. They were not the choice to repeat, and chances looked even slimmer when they lost some key players earlier in the season. But with three games left to play, the 8-1 and one Blue Devils, they control their own destiny, win out, and they'll get their second straight ACC title game shot. And guess what? Each of their last three games are at home. Yeah, good point for David Cutcliffe. He would get my vote as well for all of the, a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. And I think they're the most under-the-radar one-loss team in college football this year. Also go back to what they what they're riding here. You go back and you look, they're 16-1 and running uh, their last 17 regular season games. Uh, so they've really put together a nice streak here. No one wants to talk about them. And they've done seem a lot of things, what I call inside out in the stats here of late. They've been really, really choppy that way. But the bottom line is, as Bill Parcell says, you are what your record says you are. And they are indeed uh, front runner in the ACC conference. How about the Big Ten conference, Victor? What do you see there inside the Big Ten conference as far as terrific coaching jobs done this season? You know, just weeks before the season started, Ohio State lost what some people say would be the best athlete in the Big Ten, and that would be Braxton Miller. So I would vote Urban Meyer for Coach of the Year in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, it, his uh, pr- J.T. Barrett's uh, progress was a little bit slow. There was an ugly loss to Virginia Tech. But the Buckeyes now have the inside track to win the uh, Big Ten East after that big upset win on Saturday. So uh, for me, actually, the uh, award, I would give it to the winner of this week's Ohio State-Minnesota game because Jerry Kills had a, the Gophers had a surprising 7-2 and two on the season. I agree with you, and uh, my vote would have gone to Jerry Kill uh, if for no other reason just the fact that Urban Meyer and Ohio State were expected to be where they are this year. I don't think people thought Minnesota would be tied for first place in the West Division in the Big Ten Conference and in the running to maybe make the Big Ten Conference championship game. So, you know, if for no other reason, the underdog Jerry Kill would get my vote. How about the Big 12 Conference? I know there's been a couple of surprise teams inside the Big 12 Conference. I know who wouldn't get the vote. That would be Bob Stoops, obviously. But (laughs) what what coach would you have for your top? honor inside the Big 12 Conference. That was an ugly home loss for Oklahoma against Baylor, definitely. But, you know, there was a, there's a team in the Big 12 Conference that was picked, oh, number seven or number eight, and we've touched on them multiple times in the last few weeks, and that would be TCU and the great job Gary Patterson has done. Now, the transition for the Horned Frogs from the Mountain West to the Big 12 
was kind of difficult there for that uh, two-year period. But to give him credit for revamping his offense, hiring new coordinators, going to a hurry-up, no-huddle attack, uh, the result, they're 8-1, and one, a top-10 ranking. They even leapfrogged Alabama in the standings this week based on their clear-cut win against Kansas State when Alabama just basically squeaked by. So for me, it's Gary Patterson, ha- uh, hands down. I think hands down is right. Gary Patterson, what a terrific job with the Horned Frogs. We had pegged them in the Playbook Preview magazine as a team to watch this year, and they've really uh, fulfilled the goods there that way. And uh, they are a serious threat to make the playoffs, the Final Fours here. Uh, a lot's going to be determined, obviously, when the, uh, the showdown game, uh, when the showdown comes between the vote between them and Baylor. They've lost already to Baylor. It could be argument argued that uh, the Baylor Bears should be ranked ahead of TCU, but you know that argument could take a week to resolve the issue on that particular argument. But I say Gary Patterson, hands down, coach of the year in the Big 12, and arguably maybe coach of the year in all of college football. How about the Pac-12 conference? What do you see there, Victor? This one, I think, is still kind of up in the air, but it can be settled on the field perhaps in late November when Arizona State takes on Arizona. Of course, we're talking about number six Arizona State with Todd Graham as their head coach and number 14 Arizona with Rich Rodriguez. So I think this one's still up in the air, and it's going to be one of those two guys, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say right now I'd probably give it to Todd Graham for no other reason. They're number six in the polls here as we're speaking here right now. Uh, A few lengths, obviously, ahead of an Arizona football team, number 14 in the polls. But uh, I don't think people expected Arizona State to be this good. This is a football team that's really cruising right now, although I kind of think that uh, they're going to have a little bit of a struggle on their hands this week when they invade Oregon State after that big Notre Dame win. We'll see whether or not Graham can keep this football team up after that big victory last week. And let's wrap it up with the Southeast Conference, Victor. Who's your choice for Coach of the Year in the big Southeast Conference? Has to be your number one team, Mississippi State and Dan Mullen. And uh, I would think the only way this even comes up for debate would be if the Bulldogs perhaps lose to both Alabama and Mississippi to close out the season. But even if that happens, I think I would still make Mullen my choice. Yeah, I think so too. Even if Mullen loses this Saturday to Alabama, I think he's still the top run on the top of the rung there in the. Uh, in that Southeast Conference. I know Nick Saban would vault ahead of him, but he's expected to win. And uh, while Mississippi State was expected by many experts to be a, a good surprise team this year, I don't think people, anybody expected them to be the number one undefeated team in the country at this stage of the football season. So I agree with you. I would say Dan Mullen. And Dan Mullen probably, for all intents and purposes, the college football coach of the year at this honor. Victor, before I shift it over to the National Football League side of things, I want to run a, a real quick item by you. The, the Jameis Winston betting scandal that's being investigated right now and uh, your take whether or not you feel this is credence, whether it's a rumor, an internet uh, subject that people want to talk about, or do you feel indeed that there could be substance to the fact that Jameis Winston is being investigated now for point spread shaving? Well, yeah, a touchy subject. Uh, I think there's some validity to it. Of course, uh, it ties into the UAB program as well. Unfortunately, he's fallen out of the race in terms of the Heisman and With Jameis Winston, it almost seems like uh, there's a new issue appearing each week. It does not look good for him right now. Uh, But we're talking speculation. Uh, From what I understand, Florida State is not going to pursue it. But uh, if you take a look at some of the uh, Internet rumors, it's uh, kind of ugly. 
That's a story waiting to develop and evolve all by itself, and the roof could blow off of this if uh, if it is pressed further, and they do find things that are being rumored right now. So a sad situation. Once again, we're talking about Jameis Winston, the Florida State quarterback, who has the world at his hands right now, and he's about ready to blow it because if he's indicted or brought up on charges of points for shaving, he might he won't even see the National Football League. Yeah, uh, and that's a shame because he's a truly talented individual, at least on the playing field. He just needs to get his act together off the field. Switch it over to the National Football League, Victor, here. Last week, you and I talked before the show, the preponderance of favorites and how well they did last week. And I'm going to touch on this with Dave Tooley when we hop out to Vegas and visit with him to see how well uh, teams or, or players in the Superbook contest fared because I think there were a lot of five and O's in the Superbook contest, and a lot of it had to do probably with the, the favorites of the squares winning last week. And uh, all in all, it shook out pretty much, I think, to a favorite and an overweight Correct me if I'm wrong about that last week. Yeah, we're going to definitely get uh, Dave's impression on uh, what some people are calling in the NFL this week, Chalkpocalypse or Chalkageddon. And what a big, big week for the favorites. Ten and three overall for the favorites in the NFL. Now, you know, Sunday started off actually pretty good for the books with the Pittsburgh Steelers losing outright on the road against the New York Jets. They were laying points on the road. And even the New Orleans Saints losing. Uh, the Saints with their great, great uh, home straight up in ATS record, uh, losing outright to the San Francisco 49ers. It started off pretty good, actually, in the early afternoon games. You could, well, throw, Victor, you, could also, you could also, excuse me for jumping in there, but you could also throw in Cincinnati losing on Thursday. Right. So all of a sudden the table was set there that way, but I'm sorry, go ahead. But then from the uh, late afternoon games on out, uh, an ugly, ugly day uh, for the uh, books and a great, great day for the players who bet uh, favorites and overs and sometimes tie those together in parlays. In Sunday's late afternoon kickoffs, all three big favorites won and the over won. We're talking Denver destroying Oakland, the game going over the total. Arizona with a great second half destroying the Rams, that game going over the total. The Seattle Seahawks, in a game that was close at the half, blew out the Giants in quarter number four. That game, uh, they won by 21 points. The game went over the total. And it continued, the bloodbath for the books continued on Sunday night. Packers 55 to 14 over the Bears, another case in which the fave and the over it hit. And it capped off on uh, Monday night with that uh, big time Eagles win 45 to 21 over Carolina, another case in which the favorite and the over. So in the last five games of uh, the week 10 schedule, it was favorite and over, and it certainly was what uh, some people are calling a chalk apocalypse. Yes, it was, Victor. And in fact, my, our friends over at Covers Experts uh, had run this by me and asked me to comment on this, that the fact that through Game 10 of the National Football League season this year, there have been a total of 781 touchdowns that have been scored, 499 of which have been passing touchdowns, the most ever in National Football League history. And it's kind of, I think, uh, also confirms what we've been talking about, how they've opened up this game, how the totals are growing more and more each week, and it becomes a fan-accepted league. Fantasy players, betters, chalk players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The question I'm going to run by you, Victor, is do you see it continuing from here to the end of the football season? It's all about quarterbacks, and when you have a great quarterback, all of a sudden you're a great coach as well. If you would ask me who the top five quarterbacks in the league are, and of course it's a subject for debate, uh, we can talk about it, we can discuss it, we can disagree on it, but I would submit to you Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, 
Drew Brees, Andrew Luck, and Tom Brady. Guess what? Those five quarterbacks this season are a combined 36-9 and over-under. Their games have gone over the total at an 80% clip. Those five great quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, 8-1 to the over this year. And then Manning, Breeze, Luck, and Brady, their teams are all 7-2 and two to the over. It's all about quarterbacks. And that 80% over percentage, that's even more significant than the high over percentage in the primetime games this season. Unbelievable. All it proves is that maybe you don't need all that great coaching experience. All you need to do is have the right quarterback behind center for you and just witness Mike McCarthy and what he's done with the Green Bay Packers. He's one of the top four coaches currently coaching in the National Football League in win percentage of the active coaches. And all you need to do attribute a lot of that to is the fact that he's Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre is his quarterback. And my goodness, if he fails with quarterbacks like that, you know he shouldn't be coaching in the league. But the bottom line, again, Victor, as you say, is Look at these top-quality quarterbacks, and you can understand why these totals are flying over at the rate they are this year. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't you go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down a big game inside the Big Ten Conference this week for our college football game of the week. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Don't get fooled by a shady handicapper that claims he wins 80% of the time. Get a documented handicapper. Sportswatch Monitor is your home for documented sports picks you can trust. Our collection of handicappers is the finest in the industry, and you can have the confidence every monitored selection has been documented and verified. The Sportswatch Monitor is a non-biased handicapper monitoring service for all major sports. So uncover that shady handicapper by looking first on the sports watch. If he isn't there, he probably isn't straight up with you. Go with a reputable handicapper to assist you in building your bankroll. Go to sportswatchmonitor.com and review our top five for football and start winning. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football card. And it's time for our college football game of the week segment. We're going to go inside the Big Ten Conference and diss the SEC, if you will. I know there's big games inside the Southeast Conference taking place this particular weekend. But just to be fair and in parity, we're going to move it over to the Big Ten Conference where Nebraska takes on Wisconsin in a big, big battle for division honors inside the Big Ten Conference. Victor, your shake on the Cornhuskers and the Badgers this week. Kicking off Saturday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern time. The Nebraska-Wisconsin game, it opened at uh, 55 and a half. And as we record the show here on Wednesday mornings, the line has risen a full point and a half. It's up to 57 the last time I looked. So it looks like that early initial surge of over-under action is toward the over with the line currently at 57 points. Nebraska comes in 5-4 and over-under on the season. They've gone two and one to the over in their three uh, road games. Wisconsin just the opposite. They are four and five over unders on the season for the Badgers. They've gone three and two over under in their home games. And of course, we got two teams who love to run the ball, and we have two very good defenses who do an exceptional job at stopping the run as well. Of course, so we got Nebraska 490 offensive yards per game this season. Wisconsin right behind. At 478, Nebraska brings the number 10 rushing attack in the entire college football scene into this game 
averaging 281 yards per game on the ground. And Wisconsin's even better. They're ranked number five in the country at 326 rushing yards per game. So we already know that the strength of both teams' offenses is running the ball. Now, the opposite of that is the fact that both teams have very, very good rush defenses as well. Nebraska's ranked number 19 in a rush defense for the year, allowing only 124 yards per game on the ground. And again, Wisconsin, even better. Number five rush defense. They allow only 94. And in fact, Wisconsin is the number one overall defensive team in all of college football this season. They were number seven last year. They've improved to number one this season. Nebraska's also improved, number 25 overall this year on overall defense. They were number 42 last year. And uh, this is where I kind of like this game to go under the total, despite the fact that in the three meetings since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, all three of those games have gone over the total. Of course, these two teams, they didn't play each other last year. They played each other twice in the 2012 season. Of course, they uh, played in the Big Ten Championship, and that, that game, of course, was that big-time Wisconsin blitz when they beat up on Nebraska 70-31. to 31. That game went over the total by 49 points. The regular season meeting in that year also went over. 30-27 to 27 was the score. It went over by four points. And then when these two teams played each other in 2011, that game also went over the total. 48-17, to 17, Wisconsin win over by nine points. So... The series has gone over the total by 21 points per game in each of the last three meetings. But with that said, Mark, I'm going to look under. I'm going to wait for this line to go up. I think it's still going to go up another point or two, perhaps. Maybe we can capture it somewhere around the number of 59 to 60. But I see both teams on offense having to do some things differently than they're used to doing because of each team's rush defense being so stout, being so great this season. So with a little bit of uncertainty on offense... I'm looking at this game to be a little lower scoring than people think, but I'm going to wait for the line because I still think we can get another point or two or value as we look for a lower scoring outcome in the Nebraska-Wisconsin game. Victor King goes under the total in the Nebraska-Wisconsin showdown Big Ten matchup this Saturday. Looking at both defenses here, both hidden defenses, as you mentioned, Victor, the top number one ranked defense in the country by the Wisconsin Badgers. Looking at the Nebraska Cornhuskers here, this is, again, as I mentioned, a battle for the top spot in the Big Ten West division here. You're talking about a Nebraska football team that their A game is on this football season, and a lot of that is attributed to their running back, Amir Abdullah, who is expected to be in the lineup this particular week. Bo Pelini insists he will be there, and they're going to need him in this battle if they wish to win this football game and grab that top spot in the Big Ten West Division here. Nebraska's fared really rather quite well on the road when they're off back-to-back home games, as the situation will be this Saturday. They've gone 9-3 and three to the spread the last 12 tries. They've done just that. And they also benefit from an extra week of rest coming in this contest, where they've gone 5-2 and two to the spread the last seven times. They've had a week of rest to prepare for a football game. On the flip side, Wisconsin's defense, as we mentioned, number one ranked in the country because they've held four opponents to season-low yards this football season here. That's quite a job uh, done by this football team here. But looking up and down the schedule here, I see where Wisconsin's at in the win-loss column, largely because of their schedule. It's been rather weak, if you will. Their only two wins this season against winning teams came against Maryland and Rutgers. Everybody else has been a cupcake or a soft uh, 
soft cookie, if you will, that way for the Wisconsin Badgers. So we see whether or not they can step up in this game against Nebraska this week. They're just 1-4 and four to the spread as conference home favorites of less than seven points and 1-8 and eight to the spread the last nine times they've taken on an opponent that's come in with the week of rest. I think the biggest factor inside this game is the humiliating revenge for Bo Pelini, as Victor said in that championship game when they last met two years ago, 70-31. to 31. That was the worst loss ever in Bo Pelini's career. And I think with the football team that he has at hand here, I'll take the points with Nebraska in this football game in a game that I think comes down to whoever scores last. Put me down for Nebraska plus the points in this Big Ten battle on Saturday. Don't you go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to hop into the National Football League side of things. We've got a dandy on tap in the NFC Conference. That, and we'll hop out to Las Vegas and check with Dave Tooley to find out what's going on in Sin City this weekend. When we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. This football season, go where the wise guys go for all their winning information. Playbook.com website. If accurate, exclusive winning information is important to you, it's important you make Playbook.com your one-stop source for all your football information this season. Whether it's downloading a weekly copy of the Playbook Football Newsletter, selecting guaranteed best bets or free picks from the world-famous Playbook Experts Handicappers, or checking lines and scores, Playbook.com has it all. And make it your inside source this football season for exclusive information not found anywhere on the web. Get every edge imaginable at Playbook.com, where winners go for winners. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King going against the spread on this weekend's football card. It's time for our National Football League Game of the Week. With that, we hop over to the NFC side of things, where the Green Bay Packers will host the Philadelphia Eagles in what looks to be a possible playoff preview game. Victor, how do you see the Packers and Eagles shaking down this Sunday? Well, first off, let's take note. This game uh, has been changed. It was originally a 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern kickoff and it's been changed to a 425 Eastern kickoff. It'll be one of the three late afternoon kickoff games. And it opened at 56 and a half on Tuesday morning. That was right after Philadelphia's big-time Monday night over win against Carolina. It's actually dropped down a little bit to 55, 54 and a half the last time I looked. When I researched the series in our database, Mark, I was surprised to see that each of the last five meetings in the series – have actually gone under the total. These two teams average only 37.8 points per game when taken on each other in the last five meetings. Now, of course, we got uh, a very, very high over-underline, uh, relatively speaking, 55 to 54 and a half. We do know that the host Packers, they're off a Sunday night division home win over Chicago. And in our database, uh, Mark has provided me with a really nice uh, Sunday night system. And it is 8-0 and to the over in the last five years. All home teams playing off a Sunday night division home game. That's the case for the Packers as this is their second of back-to-back home games in a row. And these teams have gone a perfect 8-0 to the over in the last five seasons. We also note, of course, that Green Bay exploded for 55 points in their win against the Bears. In the last four seasons, NFL favorites, after scoring 50 or more points at home the previous week, have gone a perfect 5-0 and to the over. And, of course, as we just mentioned, the Eagles are off a Monday night win. This has gone 6-0 and to the over in the last three years. 
NFL road underdogs of five or more points playing off a Monday night home game. Of course, that does apply to the Eagles. So we got both of these teams off prime time games. And uh, I researched this in our database as well. NFL games have gone a perfect 5-0 and to the over in the last four years when one team is off a Sunday night game and the other team is off a Monday night game. Of course, we've got Green Bay uh, this season, 6-3 uh, and three straight up on the year. Philadelphia is 7-2 straight up on the year. In the last three years of the NFL, 667 or greater home favorites of five or more points have gone a perfect, not perfect, eight and one over under against a similar 667 or more opponent. This could very well be the case of perhaps the last team with the ball wins the game. Uh, we do note that Green Bay is eight and one to the over on the season. Philadelphia is basically right behind at six and three. And Aaron Rodgers is, you know, one of those top five elite quarterbacks that I mentioned that are going over the total at such a high percentage this season. So it's going to be the over or pass in this particular game. Uh, it could very well be one of these 34 to 31 final scores. But either way, folks, uh, you may want to even take a look at the line move. It may actually come down another half point or so. But uh, we're definitely going to be looking for the Packers and Eagles to air it out uh, late Sunday afternoon. Victor looks for a well-lit scoreboard when the Packers host the Eagles Sunday afternoon in a late afternoon game. He goes over the total for his over-under take on the football game. The Philadelphia Eagles come in, obviously minus quarterback Nick Foles. Mark Sanchez took over for the Eagles last week and did it was expected, played a really solid football game. But that was the first game back with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now we'll see what happens in game number two as he takes the field here. We also note about Mark Sanchez from our NFL quarterback database that in his career, in his last 16 games against winning teams, Sanchez is just 5-11, and 11, straight up in 6-10 and 10 to the spread. Um, also surprisingly, Chip Kelly, for all the success he's had with the Philadelphia Eagles here, he's really tripped up and struggled on the road when taking on the road off a home game. He's 0-3 to the spread that particular situation. And you also take a look in this football game here, the Philadelphia Eagles, 1-6 straight up, 0-7 to the spread against greater than 666 opponents running. That means against top-quality opposition here, the Eagles have really struggled winning only one of the last seven games. And in fact, with Kelly, they're 0-4 straight up in ATS against better than 666 opponents. And in those four games, they've averaged just 20 points a game have the Philadelphia Eagles. On the flip side, the Green Bay Packers have revenge in this football game from a home loss they suffered against Philly. They lost 27-13 to last year. And it's not to be argued the fact that since Aaron Rodgers spoke those famous words, just relax, this football team has been on a major run here, 5-1 and one straight up and against the spread. Aaron Rodgers, the number one rated quarterback in the National Football League this season with a QB rating of 120.1. He'll set a record if he continues at that particular pace. He's doing a great job. Taking a look here also, the Green Bay Packers, in their last 11 Sunday night games, when Al Michaels has been behind the mic, this football team is 10-1 and one straight up and against the spread their last 11 Sunday night home games. With Philadelphia's two losses this year both being on the road at surprise San Francisco and Arizona, two quality teams, I think win number three happens on Sunday. I'll take Aaron Rodgers over Mark Sanchez in this football game and stay with the Green Bay Packers for my side in that contest. 
And you're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, and it's time now for us to hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Dave Tooley from ViewFromVegas.com. Dave Tooley, also a columnist at ESPN.com. And Dave, I've got to figure it's been quite a hectic week for you, especially with the World Series of Poker going on in Las Vegas this week. Uh, yeah, I think we've been talking about this each week the last few weeks. So every week has been real busy with uh, you know, Breeders' Cup and Halloween and yeah, now World Series of Poker all this uh, same time of year. But yeah, I was at the, uh, at the Rio on Monday, uh, started at 4.30 uh, here Vegas time. ESPN2, if you watched the Monday final table, was on a half-hour delay. So they, they, they started at uh, 5 o'clock Vegas time, 8 o'clock Eastern. And uh, so, yeah, we, but we were there... Uh, covering all the action from 4.30 p.m. until 4.30 a.m. when they gave up trying to get down to the final two heads-up matchup and went with the final three and then uh, was back there again on Tuesday at, uh, at 5.30 at night and uh, for the final to have the, cr- the champion crowned. So, Dave, if that makes you tired, just imagine how the players feel. Those, those poor guys sitting around the table are – and I shouldn't use the word poor guys. I guess that's <laughs> probably the wrong analogy there. But uh, it right. seems like the young, the young kids that uh, make these Final Four are, are – the people that do are largely the young kids. And a lot of it, I think, is an endurance factor here. And, uh, you know, you covering it for ESPN and your website, uh, you feel how drained you are. Imagine how those players feel. But I guess all you have to do is ask Martin Jacobson how he feels walking away with $5 million. Uh, no, correct that. That's $10 million. Ooh, $10 million. <laughs> the, the runner-up finisher, uh, Felix Stevenson, won $5 million. Yeah, the first uh, first place prize this year for yeah, the 10th year that they held the, the finals at the Rio. Obviously, you know, the World Series of Poker was long held at the Binion's Horseshoe downtown. But, yeah, they uh, $10 million prize pool uh, this year. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of incentive to uh, to stay awake. And uh, the the funny thing is, and you're talking about the young players, and I mean, yeah, part of that is the endurance, but also part of that is just that you know, since the poker booms, you know, so many of these young kids have a lot of playing experience online, and so you know, you, you play a lot of hands online, multiple tables at a time. So you know, a lot of these young kids have you know actually played more hands in their lifetime probably than a lot of old timers. That's a real good point. Yeah. Played. Right. So, but the uh, the fun the funny fact that I like that came out of all this was, yeah, Martin Jacobson, 27 years old, but he's the oldest champion since 2007. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. so he's not, he's not really considered a, a kid in, uh, in, in poker circles these days. Well, the, the veteran Martin, Martin Jacobson, <laughs> take down right. the money, if you will. Wow. Well, there's a lot of money there, and there's also a lot of money involved in the Superbook contest, Dave. And uh, before I get to that, I want to run one quick question by you here. In Las Vegas, has there been any kind of a buzz this week about – the two big football games, Florida State, Miami of Florida, and Alabama, Mississippi State, those two big showdown games. In particular, my question, the relatively low line, I think, that a lot of people see in this Florida State-Miami game, uh, what's the buzz in Vegas about each of those two particular football games? Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, a lot, lot of uh, interest. The uh, you know, Florida State line, uh, some places even open Miami, Florida as a, as a short favorite. Uh, a lot of there's been a lot of buzz the last few weeks. A lot of uh, sharp betters and handicappers uh, had been saying that they were eyeing that game for you know a spot for you know Florida State to finally lose a game. So I think uh, the oddsmakers you know pretty much shaded it uh, uh, the other way and make make them pay a, pay a premium. But yeah, it, all the money's been coming in on Florida State. 
and as a short when they're a short uh, road dog, and then some places had to pick them. But yeah, right now Florida State is pretty much a one and a half point favorite. And then yeah, the other matchup, uh, Mississippi State, number one team in the country, uh, playing at Alabama, and uh, you know no one uh, can recall a number one team being an eight and a half point underdog. Uh, you know, most places open the line seven, and the money's coming on Alabama, driving it up to eight and a half, which uh, lo- looks like that's where we're seeing the resistance in the buyback the other way. So, uh, not expecting it to go any higher than that. But uh, yeah, those those two uh, those two games are the the marquee matchups on Saturday. Okay, Dave. Let me also ask you this about the uh, the Super Bowl contest here. Uh, and Victor's going to run a question by you, which will tie in a little bit to this. But uh, with the preponderance of favorites uh, doing so well last week, I'm going to only guess that there was uh, quite a, a good week for a lot of the players in the Superbook contest. If for no other reason, there's 1,400 players and the majority of them probably like to play favorites. Would I be right or would I be wrong? Uh, no, that, that's absolutely correct. The uh, the consensus did very well last week. Uh, top five players were 4-1 four, were four against the spread. The uh, the overall consensus was nine and four out of the thirteen games, and uh, yeah, the uh, CH Ballers, the 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 leader coming into the week, went five and zero, oh, and you can't gain, gain ground on the leader if they go five and zero. Oh. So wow. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, sitting comfortably in in the lead with a yeah, um, actually, it's only one game cushion over another alias uh, goes by Briefcase Two, who also went five and zero. Oh. But uh, yeah, then you have a group of four people that are three games back, and uh, defending champion David Frohart Lane is uh, four games back in the in a group of six tied for seventh place. So yeah, there's a little bit of a, a you know spread going there. But you know, out of the top, what is it, twelve people? Uh, you know, n- none of them uh, had a sub 500 uh, week last week. Well, that all goes to reason, I guess, what happens when you see a big week of consensus inside the Superbook contest. Victor, I know you got a question you want to run by Dave on the show this week as well. Right, Dave. A uh, pretty wild weekend for both books and players alike. From what I understand, Saturday was a pretty good day for the uh, sports books, particularly with uh, Texas A&M winning outright. And Sunday even started out pretty good as well <laughs> with the outright underdog wins for the uh, Jets and the 49ers. But then uh, what a lot of people are calling chalkpocalypse occurred with the late afternoon kickoffs, the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game all going for the favorite and all going for the over. I know that a lot of players like tying in their exotic wagers, their parlays, their teasers to the favorite and the over. And my question, Dave, is has that had an impact on this week's NFL lines? Is there going to be a chalk tax this week in the NFL? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, a- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, yeah. Saturday, the the books were smiling um, <laughs> with with the the good results on their side. And early, early Sunday, yeah, I wrote that you know, including the Thursday night game when you know Cleveland upset Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and then the seven uh, early games on Sunday. You know, dogs and favorites were four and four against the spread. You know. Pretty good mix that the books like to see, and including, like you said, the Jets knocking off the Steelers, and uh, that was uh, look, looking like another good Sunday for them as well. But then, then yeah, the la- the late three afternoon games all went favor and over, like you said, and then Sunday Sunday night and Monday night as well. So yeah, the the books got knocked around quite a bit, you know, especially with those uh, parlays and like like you mentioned the. 
definitely seeing a tie-in. I already wrote about this in my opening line report column on ESPN.com. It comes out on Monday that I was already seeing it uh, early Sunday night that the majority of all the early action was coming in on the favorites and lines were getting shaded that way. You know, obviously that's uh, a lot of, you know, chalk betters with extra cash in their pocket and <laughs> probably looking to fire right back. And then, you know, also, you know, the odds makers are starting to make adjustments too, you know, wanting to make those betters pay a premium or uh, a tax, uh, a, a, as you just said. So, yeah, there's there's a ton, ton of uh, lines that are steaming and almost all are going in the f- direction yeah. of the favorite. The, the one that's really going the other way only is the, you know, Lions and the Cardinals, and that's, that's more with the... Uh, um, the Cardinals, you know, Carson Palmer being out and uh, going to Drew Stanton. So, um, but I mean, the Lions are also playing well too. So that's that's part of the reason why there's some support for them. But you know, for the most part, all these lines are going up, up, up. Well, big up move to the favorites this week coming out of Las Vegas, largely due to what we saw last week in the barrage of favorite tickets cashing last week. Dave, your complimentary play on the show this week. I know after all the chalk cash last week, I know there's some juicy dogs out there, especially with value in the Dave Tooley perception of handicapping. What do you see for a complimentary play for our listeners this week? Yeah, I was bummed. I ended my losing streak last week, and when we were, when we were doing the show, I, I had both uh, you know, the Raiders against the Broncos circled and the Jets against the Steelers, Ooh. and I uh, just uh, couldn't pull the, pull the trigger on the on the radio show for making the Jets my preferred play. But uh, <laughs> you know, hope, hope most uh, dog players are on that one as well. Uh, this week, I'm gonna, I'm going to go to the Sunday night game, um, Patriots at the Colts. I mean, Patriots coming off their bye, and they, they just beat the Broncos. Uh, to move to the top of the AFC, and yet uh, none of that, including them being a popular team, has uh, kept the line from going what was actually Colts minus one and a half on the advanced slide in, at the Westgate last week. Up to now, we're seeing minus three. So uh, you know, Patriots, I think, are the better overall team, getting a, a full field goal here. And uh, I think uh, Tom Brady and company get the best of the Colts this time. Dave likes Tom Brady as a dog, and to that I say, who doesn't uh, throughout his National Football League career? He'll take him plus the points against the Indianapolis Colts Sunday night for his complimentary play on the show this week. Dave, I'm going to wish you once again the best of luck this week. May the dogs and the ball bounce your way. I hope it does for you because it'll do that for us as well, and I'll talk to you next week on the show. All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. That was Dave Tooley joining us from ViewFromVegas.com. You can check out Dave's site, log on at viewfrombegas.com, or read all of Dave's writings at ESPN.com, where Dave is a columnist now covering his sports betting action for ESPN. Don't you go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to wrap things up with our awesome angle of the week, and we'll share with you our top complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Imagine getting up to $900 in free plays bonuses on every qualified deposit. Use your Visa, MasterCard, or even American Express. Only at Bet Online because you can. Your side failed to score? Use your shutout bailout card and get your bet back. Only at Bet Online because you can. Your side given up by halftime? Use your halftime surrender card, get half of your bet back. Only at Bet Online because you can. And remember, you get bonus on every deposit. That's the lifetime bonus guarantee. Only from Bet Online. Because you can. Terms and conditions apply. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. 
Okay, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football this week. We call it the clock strikes 10. And what we're looking to do is to play on any 5-4 and four college football team in game 10 of the season if they're playing with rest against an opponent that's off a win. Just that simple, but also a terrific winning angle, having gone 20-4 and four with one push against the spread since 1980. This 83% the clock strikes 10 angle features two plays in the college football card this week, a play on California Thursday and on Oklahoma State this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to have pass it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to get his take on his top complimentary play on the football show and let everybody know, Victor, what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend, if you would. Thank you, Mark. First off, we do want to thank everybody who joined us in college football last Saturday. Our four-star over of the week was in the non-conference game between Notre Dame and Arizona State. It was a fun game to watch. There were some turnovers, some short fields, some quick, cheap points. And when all was finished, that game ended up going over the total by 25 points. And again, we want to thank everybody who joined us for that play. Uh, Our uh, Sunday and Monday in the NFL was similar to the books. Uh, We did pretty lousy in the early kickoff games. But at least to our credit, we came back with a late afternoon winner a three-star play on over the total in the Giants-Seahawks game. And then we uh, closed the week with the easy Monday night winner on over the total in the Eagles-Carolina Panthers game. And we we will have another big four-star over the week in college football. Uh, it'll be going on Saturday. It'll be on the Playbook.com website by Thursday evening. And our free play of the week is courtesy of Speedy, man's best friend, He's going under the total in the Houston-Cleveland game. Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns. Now, the line opened at 42. It's come down a half point to 41.5. That's a key number. You're going to want to get this one in at 41.5 or higher, as 41 is a pretty key number in the NFL. And we've got two of the NFL's most rush-heavy offenses hooking up this week. The clock should be running pretty fast. As, of course, Cleveland is number one in the entire NFL in rushes per game at 33.1, while Houston comes in number three at 31.2 rushes per game. The Texans average four and a half yards of pop per rush. Cleveland allows 4.7. It's a pretty poor rush defense. And I've gone into the playoff, uh, the excuse me, the playbook database and come up with a number here of 522-1. This is over the last six seasons. It's also gone 1-12-1 over the last four years. And it's basically game 12 or less. Home favorites have less than a touchdown like the Browns, who allow four and a half or more yards per rush on the year against an opponent who averages four and a half or greater yards per rush on the year. Of course, the Browns are off that uh, big Thursday win over Cincinnati. 24-3 was the final score. 0-6 over under last three seasons. NFL teams off a Thursday road win like the Browns when facing any sub-500 opponent like Houston. And, you know, the Browns, they ran the ball an amazing 52 times in that Thursday win over the Cincinnati Bengals. 1-7 over under since 2000. Non-division home teams off a division win in which they ran the ball 50 or more times. That's amazing. Uh, Just the number 50 for the Browns there. Of course, they get that three-headed monster at running back as well. Now, Houston comes in off of their bye week. This is going to be Ryan Mallett's very, very first start for the Houston Texans. Of course, we would understand if they have a pretty conservative game plan this week and just 
Uh, pound the ball with Arian Foster 30 to 35 times. That would not be surprising as well. But NFL road underdogs of 10 or less points after their bye week and a double-digit loss have gone 0-6-1 over under versus any opponent like Cleveland coming in off a straight-up and ATS win. What seals the deal for speeding in this game is the fact that this Cleveland-Houston series has gone a perfect 0-6 over under in the last six meetings with an average of only 33.2 combined points per game. Now, of course, Fleety, my, my dog Speedy, he hates the fleas, he hates the ticks, but when he's on an under, he doesn't mind the clock going tick, tick, tick. So get this one in at 41.5 or higher, Browns, Texans, under the total. Ticks and fleas aside, Victor King goes under the total in the Cleveland-Houston game for his complimentary play on the football show this week. And remember, you can also join Victor here for his college football four-star play this weekend on the website. All of his plays available at playbook.com where you pay only after you win or get Victor's plays at a 40% discount with guaranteed makeups all when you log on to get the King Creole Sports plays at playbook.com. And before I get to my complimentary play on the football show this week, I want to thank everybody who joined me last week for our College Football Revenge Play of the Year winner when Ohio State took down Michigan State. We're coming back this week with our NFL Game of the Month, and we've done really rather quite well with our NFL Game of the Month football selection plays. We're documented 36-16 and 16 on this particular play. It goes Sunday, and it's also part of another $99 football weekend of winners. When you join me this weekend, you can do so logging on to the website at playbook.com or call me toll-free to get on board for the $99 football weekend of winners with the NFL Game of the Month when you call me at 1-800-321-7777. For my complimentary play on the football show this week, I'm going to extract a play from the Playbook Football Newsletter, a best bet. We usually don't do that on the podcast show, but I want to do that this particular week because there's a lot of outstanding numbers in this particular game. I'm going to play LSU plus the points against Arkansas. When I say plus the points against Arkansas, I never, ever imagined I'd be saying LSU plus the points this particular week. You take a look at What's happened in this particular matchup here? I know Arkansas is an improved football team, and I know they have a week to get ready for this football contest as well. But the bottom line here is they've lost 17 straight Southeast Conference games in a row, and they'll dress up favorites against an LSU football team that is 22-1 straight up in games with less miles when they're off a loss. And remember, when these two teams played last year, LSU was a 28-point favorite in this football game. I just don't understand the massive line move that's happened in this particular contest here. You throw in the fact that Brett Bielma from Arkansas is just 3-12 and his last 15 games against an opponent that has a better record than he has. It makes me scratch my head, but scratch my head nonetheless. I'll grab the points with LSU and what I think is a major mistake by the odds makers for my complimentary play on the football show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for Victor King from King Creole Sports, Dave Tooley joining us from Las Vegas from viewfromvegas.com, and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, I want to remind you once again to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. 